Hi, everyone. We've set up this Being an Engineer podcast as an industry knowledge repository, if you will. We hope it'll be a tool where engineers can learn about and connect with other companies, technologies, people, resources, and opportunities. So make some connections and enjoy the show. What I found was actually the reverse of that. The more authentic and the more connected you could be to how customers use your product, um, really the better and more effective you could be at, at relaying a marketing message. Hello and welcome to the Being an Engineer podcast. We're speaking with Daniel Lazier today, who is a hands-on problem solver with a background in mechanical engineering. These days, however, Daniel spends his time as product marketing manager at Mark Forged, where they make industrial strength parts made of nylon, carbon fiber, and metal. Daniel, thanks for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me, Aaron. Can you share what it was that originally prompted you to go into engineering? You know, I was, I was pretty lucky in that I, I, as a kid, I got exposure to a lot of different kind of extracurricular activities. And, and the thing that, that really kind of hooked me from day one, um, I think this is probably a similar story to a lot of, like a lot of engineers that, uh, that I was colleagues with both in college and, and, uh, professional life. But, um, it was really robotics, specifically a, a, a feeder into a first team uh, in the form of a Lego robotics team that uh, that first gave me the impression like, hey, this is a really cool way uh, to apply uh, you know, math, science, um, whole, whole slew of other kind of problem solving techniques to something that I could physically hold, see, touch, feel and uh, and ultimately go, so, go go accomplish goals with that. So. Um, went from actually pretty early age in, in elementary school doing a Lego robotics and doing first robotics. And, um, somewhere in there, I, I, I got a pretty strong sense of conviction that, uh, that, that my future held, uh, engineering in some way, shape or form. Yeah. My kids do, uh, or have done FLL first Lego league. I think that's what it stands for. That's man. what it's called. That's right. It's been so long. But then in high school, I think it's, it it's, it's different, right? Maybe what did you call it? First robotic league or something like that. Um, yeah, first robotics competition. Um, okay. My 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 high school was was not super prominent on uh, on on the uh, on the sort of national or global scale, but it was enough to you know build a robot to go. Uh, at the time, the challenge was take these pull inner tubes and and, uh, and and pick them up, place them in a certain location, and uh, yeah, that was a, that was a super super neat way to kind of cut your teeth on. Um, Sort of the multiple collaborative disciplines that it takes to go go make a solve a complex problem. Yeah, yeah, I love learning by doing. Right, we we uh, mm -hmm. I like to say to my team that learning by doing is better. Learning by doing is better than learning about doing. Or so. and uh, <laughs> it's it's a great opportunity. This FLL, I think, it's really cool that the that kids have a chance to participate in stuff like that. Um, so you work at Mark Forged now, and I have to admit, I'm, I'm kind of a, a fanboy of Mark Forged. I have been for awesome. several years now, and, and I've, I've mentioned uh, the company on this show many times. Probably people are sick of me talking about it, but too bad, because we're going to be talking about Mark Forged quite a bit today. Uh, I've been super excited because I, I am such a fan of the company, and I've been excited to hear a little bit more behind the scenes of, of what goes on at Mark Forged and how you're he helping engineering teams. 
So we have uh, two Mark Forge machines here, and we're we're using them really, truly all the time. Uh, pretty much every day, both of them are running. Um, the the there's a, a material that Mark Forged makes called uh, called Onyx. It, it's a nylon material with chopped far, fiber, carbon fiber in it, and those have been like a huge time saver for us and for our, our customers, especially since a lot of what we do is kind of chunky, blocky, strong parts. We're not using those printers to make like plastic injection molded prototypes. We're using them to make tooling and, and equipment parts, and it's, it's perfect for that. Um, <clears throat> maybe you can just uh, take a few minutes and share with the listeners who Mark Forged is and and how you help engineers developing hard goods products. Yeah, totally. And thank you for that. So um, yeah, Mark Forged is really founded on the principle that engineers and designers should really at their fingertips have the capability to make strong functional parts uh, really just right at the point of need. Um, And that was something that as an engineer, I was like immediately connected to uh, as someone where in a formal role, I definitely needed those kind of parts. Uh, So specifically um, sort of the, the Mark Forged uh, vision is is we can reinvent manufacturing by making these devices with these high strength material capabilities um, all sort of integrated with um, a really effective software platform that empowers anybody to make anything anywhere um, and thereby sort of reinvent manufacturing in our relationship uh, really with 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 civilization and the planet as a whole where does the name mark forged come from i've always wondered about that yeah, so uh, so our founder, whose name is Greg Mark, uh, the sort of sort of took the took the, the last part of his name, Mark, and then uh, forged really just to signify. Um, while our our initial product offering was a carbon fiber printer, uh, you know, t- trying to trying to uh, to give some sense that this was something more than just a cheap plastic prototype that many mm. were were familiar with. And, and, in that specific era of, of uh, the maturity of the additive manufacturing uh, landscape. Okay. So Mark Forged has been around for almost a decade now, I think. And I read that the company is approaching 400 employees and $100 million in revenue, which is super impressive. What are some of the growing pains that the company has had to overcome as it's scaled up? Yeah, I think I – think, um, you know, right now, when I when I look at the state of the state with Mark Forged, um, and, and maybe this isn't isn't completely uh, true to like a a, a a real growing pain, um, but we're finding that like the next hurdle we really have to have to achieve isn't so much a technology hurdle as much as it is an adoption hurdle. Um, so that's to say, when we go out and meet customers, uh, we often find that the opportunity. Um, to sort of reinvent their workflows for the better is often limited by uh, just just really people. Um, so like many like many fields right now, I think I think we have a bit of a people problem um, where where I think we we sort of have this need to accelerate adoption um, at a really at a really rapid rate in order to to achieve that sort of next level beyond you know how do we get from how does Mark Forge become a business that's you know a thousand employees ten thousand employees I think that's that's sort of the key to getting to that next phase. So when you say adoption and people, you're referring more to the the people who work at Mark Forged that are pushing this product out there into the world as, as opposed to figuring out how to create the right messaging or provide the right 
technical solutions for the people out there in the world who will be using the MarkForged products? Uh, I, I should have clarified there. I, what I was actually referring to is is the and I think I think MarkForged internal is certainly a component of this, but at a broader level, uh, what, when we're talking about adoption and people, I really I really feel like um, manufacturing. Uh, so, so bigger, bigger universe of all manufacturing companies. Um, I just see a trend, uh, an upcoming trend in additive adoption that, that, that I think is going to unlock a whole lot of productivity. That's um, not so much Mark Forged employees, but more so Mark Forged users. Got it. Okay. Can you share one or two unique or particularly interesting or, or, or innovative applications that, that you've been able to help engineering teams with using the MarkForged product line? Um, sure. Yeah, a couple a couple applications come to mind. Um, one of which I was I was working with a local um, high school Formula SAE team, um, and they were working on specifically this this bracket, this suspension bracket. Um, and I actually, I actually have a piece of it here somewhere on my desk. I'm not sure if, if video is going to be a component of, uh, of, of, of what we, what, what we showcase here, but it'll um, just be audio, but you can show me. Just I, audio. I'd love to see okay. It. So you can, Ooh, and ah, so the fans know it's cool. Um, <laughs> ooh, ah. <laughs> thank you for that. Um, so this bracket was, uh, was designed specifically with additive manufacturing in mind and, um, for the folks who are listening, this bracket has um, these sort of unique pockets uh, built into it. And some might look at that and say, okay, that's great for light weighting. Um, those, those pockets actually serve a really specific purpose um, as it relates to MarkForge equipment, where they actually define sort of the pathway where we lay continuous fiber. So mm. um, I mentioned MarkForge sort of built around the vision of making high strength parts. One of our core competencies is infusing continuous strands of fiber into these plastic parts. So now what you end up with is, is a component that's as strong as metal. And moreover, engineers and designers have an unprecedented level of freedom now to define sort of how this part responds to mechanical stresses. Um, so the really cool part about this thing isn't so much the geometry or that it was 3D printed. The cool thing about it is, is how it empowered engineers um, to define how this part would actually perform um, when, when it was implemented in practice. Um, so that's, that's one really cool one that stands out. The next one that I'll, I'll, I'll sort of, um, give as an application. Unfortunately, I can't talk about the cust the customer by name, but this is one case, um, where the innovation wasn't so much the part or how it was made, but more so where it was made. Um, so this was a case where a cu this customer, um, had a bunch of service centers or service depots. Um, where they maintained industrial equipment. Um, and they had these things, you know, all over the planet, uh, virtually every continent. Uh, you know, I think they were operating in like 30 countries plus, um, with hundreds of locations. And what they ended up doing with, with the technology is actually locating a printer, um, not only at the, at the place where they develop tooling and spare parts, um, but they also put printers in the locations where those parts were needed. Um, and what they found was that it, that it was actually better for the business to be able to just print the parts at the point of need on demand, as opposed to printing them in one location and shipping mm. them out, out, out elsewhere. Um, so they sort of digitized in that sense, their entire supply chain from top to bottom um, by, by simply placing the, the, the fabrication equipment, which used to be prohibitive because you know, how hard is it to operate a, a CNC mill um, 
and make those high strength parts in a service center. It's, it's generally uh, not not available to, to those kinds of service centers. But now, um, you know, it, it, we've got these printers. You've got one. They're they're about the size of a microwave, um, and all you need to run them is, is is a little spool of onyx, and you're good to go. Um, so that, that comes to mind as one of the more innovative use cases when it comes to to, to our print systems. Yeah, I can speak to the benefits of that one myself. We we have a customer who has a few of these Mark Forged machines as well, and they engage with us to to develop custom equipment for them. And we deliver the equipment turnkey, ready to go. But uh, over time, they they it, this has happened. They've had some very minor design changes that they've wanted to implement. And so now they just tell us, okay, we want to change this part a little bit and we'll update the design and we'll just send them the file and they print it out right there and, and put it into the machine and it's super easy. You know, it's, it's fast, it's cheap for them and requires less time on our part. We're always rushing to the next project anyway, so that's helpful. And that's been uh, another really useful application for the machine. Wow. So just so I understand, you're, you're actually transitioning no longer transitioning physical parts uh, between your business and customer's business. You're you're actually transitioning the digital file. Is that do I understand that correctly? With this particular customer, that's that's wow. right. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, that's super cool. Yeah. Um, another thing that's super cool is I just as I was interv- or preparing for this interview, um, doing some research, I, I learned about Mark Forge's new precise PLA material, which I had not heard of before. And I was super excited to to read about this. Um, it, it, it looks like it's roughly a third the cost of the Onyx material. And I, I think it was like twice as fast. The print time is about twice as fast as Onyx. Um, and just a really attractive solution for, for teams like mine that are doing a lot of, a lot of prototype 3D printing. Other than the, the strength, of course, are there any limitations that we should be aware of for example, maybe we can't print parts that are quite as big, or maybe the accuracy isn't good, or or anything like that that comes to mind. Yeah, not so much in the way of limitations. Um, more just sort of the intent with precise PLA was was really built around giving engineers and designers the capability to quickly and affordably iterate um, without burning the more valuable onyx to to get the part um, when and where it's needed. Um, and and yeah, what we're finding is customers are getting a lot of value out of just out of just not not having to worry so much about that. We also find it to be a really nice companion to Onyx, uh, just being able to uh, you know add, add add a splash of color to designs. We've we've been seeing customers use it um, just as as sort of like a job aid to to give operators the ability to to basically say, okay, yellow means uh, it's it's the ten millimeter insert. Red means it's the 12 millimeter insert. Um, so kind of like a, a color coded pokey oak there. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, what, what kinds of engineering teams are Mark Forge machines especially well suited to? Uh, and, and I guess conversely, what, what kinds of engineering teams are the Mark Forge machines, um, not uh, a really good fit for? Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I, th- I think we have a, a reputation for being, um, you know, a very hardline industrial company. Um, and I, I hate to call that a fallacy, but I think, I think, I think we, we probably, um, I think we probably solve more problems more simply than people give us credit for. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, I think when people hear continuous fiber reinforcement, um, 
high strength, metal strength, industrial parts, uh, I think they often think, wow, that seems super advanced. It might take me a while to learn those capabilities. What we find is, is uh, it's actually the contrary. You know, there's no, no sort of nozzle temperatures or extrusion rates or anything like that that you, you have to do any specific training for in order to, to uh, get the most out of the system. Um, really, the, 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 the learning curve has everything to do with um, application identification. Um, as well as some design strategies. So in that sense, uh, back to your question of, you know, who is this thing for? I would really say anyone who builds physical products um, generally ought to consider additive manufacturing as a category. And I think within that category, um, start to identify what kinds of what kinds of parts, assemblies and products um, would benefit from whether it be high strength, uh, in the form of, of printed continuous fiber hardness in, in the form of uh, 3D printed metal, which we haven't talked about a whole lot, but that's also something we do. Um, or simply, if it's just design validation, what our customers are telling us is, hey, this system that was really well designed for this one thing, which is carbon fiber, also happens to do um, this this concept validation and prototyping material in the form of precise PLA really, really well as well. Um, and that really simplifies my workflow. Um, so kind of, kind of a roundabout answer, but, uh, I, I suppose what I'm really saying is, is Mark Forged is for everybody. <laughs> yeah. That's a total I mean, marketer's answer. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But I mean, to, maybe to give you a practical example, putting my money where my mouth is, you know, I, I, I have my high strength brackets and, uh, you know, welding fixtures and all kinds of stuff that I'm flashing in front of the camera, making for decidedly bad radio, I'm sure. But I also have. You know, I'm in the process of building this tractor for my nephew's fourth birthday's coming up. Um, so I'm kind of running the gamut of all kinds of different applications uh, from sort of tinker maker all the way up to, um, you know, solving global supply chain problems when I'm working with customers. Yeah. Um, so, something I'm curious about, I'd love to hear your take on this. I have found that the Mark Forged material or machines are are maybe not the best solution for thin walled parts so exa- for example for printing like a plastic injection molded part um that's has maybe some uh, fairly organic services lots of curvature uh and and is you know thin wall 70 thou 80 thou something like that we have other printers that we use for that SLA printers that seem to be a good solution the mark forged machines tend to be really, really good when you're, you're printing blocky, chunky, um, I guess machined type parts. Is it, have, have you found that to be generally true or, or are we just using them in the wrong way? And they'll, they'll work great for thin walled parts as well if we set it up right. Yeah, you know, so, so first of all, it bears mentioning I spent my first three years at Mark Forbes as an application engineer. So those are exactly the kind of problems I still love to uh, cut my teeth on. So yeah, definitely implore you to uh, send a couple uh, design files over and we can, we can definitely uh, hash it out. But um, yeah, I would say to your point, as, as, a, as a category, FFF style printers, which stands for fused filament fabrication, um, which is which is the technology Mark Forged is generally based off of where I'm drawing plastic from a spool and extruding it out of a hot nozzle um, and building the part layer by layer as such. Um, the the level of feature detail is definitely predicated um, on the uh, on the basis of of uh, of, of the, the diameter of the nozzle. So we find within our category, uh, we generally achieve pretty darn good surface finish and feature detail. 
Um, I think relative to other man- additive manufacturing techniques, like you mentioned SLA, stereolithography, um, where I'm using a laser to, to effectively polymerize a vat of resin, um, I, g- I generally point customers to that solution if all they're looking for is, is something that doesn't need to hold up to a whole bunch of um, a whole bunch of wear and tear, but needs that excellent feature detail. Um, so that trade-off between mechanical properties and feature detail, um, I, I, I think it's fair to say there's nothing in the desktop range, at least, that, that gives you the best of both worlds in that sense. Um, but uh, but I think you know talking a little bit about like best practices and, and um, to our earlier conversation about adoption, one of the things that we generally find um, for just just uh, capturing really good feature detail. I've got, uh, again, do it, breaking the rules of radio here, but, uh, but showing you like kind of another little figure here. I got, I got a baby Yoda, um, with really good detail. You can kind of see. Yeah, that looks excellent. The detail on his, on his little little shawl there. But, um, one of the little tricks of the trade that, that I'll, I'll pass along to you, uh, here is, is oftentimes just playing around with the orientation and corking stuff over at a 45 degree angle relative to the build plane. Um, can often can often yield very very positive results um, just by just by sort of changing the resolution the effective resolution at which it's building your part. Hmm. Okay, great pro tip. Pro All tip. right. <laughs> well, I'll take just a couple second break here and share with the listeners that TeamPipeline.us is where you can learn more about how we help medical device and other product engineering or manufacturing teams develop turnkey equipment, custom fixtures, and automated machines to characterize, inspect, assemble, manufacture, and perform verification testing on your devices. We're speaking with Daniel Lazier today. Uh, So Daniel, you you had mentioned earlier that some people might be a little bit afraid of or hesitant to get into this space because they hear continuous fiber, carbon fiber, that's going to be tricky. How do I know what nozzle temperature to use and feed settings and all this stuff? And one thing that I found is that the, the software that comes with Mark Forge, which is called Iger, is super easy to use and makes the whole process really um, uh, very easy. I, I think, you know, uh, an hour or two of basic training is all anyone needs to, to really get started on this platform. Um, uh, uh, what what are a few highlights that you can share with the listeners about the, the Iger software and how it makes printing robust parts so easy? Yeah, I think I think the the, the best 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 part of Iger um, is something you as a user never ever see, um, which is just the the tens of thousands um, of hours that our engineering team took to literally and maniacally test the widest range of geometries across the widest uh, set of parameters from extrusion profiles to um, temperatures to every every setting or parameter that you could imagine uh going into a successful 3d printed part um i think what a lot of our users users tell us is hey this is the best quality 3d printer i've ever had um and i I never had to change a setting when with respect to nozzles or temperatures or extrusion rates um that's sort of that's sort of if, if i were to point to one thing that's the secret sauce um that would be it. Uh, just the, the the level of detail that went into um, fine tuning the settings so that you as a user don't have to. 
Um, and that's sort of that, that's sort of the 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 counterpoint to this perception, I think, of of uh, of approachability with with additive manufacturing. Um, I, I think the next thing I'll, I'll point out is just sort of how uh, how Iger manages to balance uh, feature heaviness with um, with with uh, ease of use. So what what I mean by that is, you know, we have this crazy capability to um, you know, literally put continuous fiber in any axis on any, in any plane, um, we want, um, you know, mechanical engineer, um, generally doesn't think about software, uh, when they're thinking about tools, but I think, I think in our consciousness, we think, oh man, is this going to take me a year to learn? Um, you know, it took me, I don't know how long to, to, to get good at SolidWorks from, uh, the day it was introduced to me at college to the time I was, I was using it as a professional engineer. Um, but I think, I think the team is, has accomplished a really, really neat trick, which is to say, um, you know, when I want to reinforce this part with continuous fiber, um, they've intuited some assumptions about how that part is, is, is going to be used in, in the form of how, uh, how fiber is going to go into this part. So, so, when introducing continuous fiber, you're, you're effectively choosing between two schemes. One is we call it concentric fiber. I'm tracing the outside of the part uh, and the inside pockets. Um, the other is isotropic where I'm laying up uh, continuous plies of carbon fiber going at zero degrees, 45 degrees, 90 degrees, 135 degrees. And that's effectively uh, what laminate sheets are made of, uh, these isotropic planes of fiber. Um, so in that sense, when I use Iger, I generally find that that, I'm clicking a couple buttons and then getting a part that is extremely high performance um, and all built automatically um, with, with the kind of settings that I need to accomplish the, the task at hand. So I think that's, that's sort of category uh, number two and uh, to, to sort of punctuate that at the category number three, which um, has less to do about the part. And again, has more to do with, with how people use it. But um I think just just relative to some of the other, uh, you know, zoom out from just 3D printing and just think about other manufacturing equipment I've used. Um, you know, I'll, I'll actually point to the example you gave me, which is, um, you know, you, you transitioned parts digitally from from your environment to your customer's environment. Um, there's companies doing stuff like that actually in the cloud. Um, so, you know, as opposed to like emailing files back and forth using the Iger platform. Um, to actually actually send files back and forth, and I think that's really where um, really where Iger stands out above uh, you know not just three D printing equipment, but just manufacturing equipment as a whole. Where this this all digital approach. I mean, I used to rack my brain and uh, you know want to put my fist through my computer screen sometimes working with vendors um, across a global supply chain trying to get. Um, trying to figure out what one specific part I needed. Uh, and it was all through spread managed through spreadsheets and bills of materials and um, all kinds of stuff like that. I think, I think as, as, as we get closer and closer to being able to encompass more and more of the manufacturing value chain, the daily life of the engineer is going to get better um, largely as a function of, of, of how they interact with software uh, in a manufacturing environment. And I think that's sort of where, um, to me, that that third point is probably the most profound in terms of in terms of what's great about the software. 
Yeah, I have a couple of points to make on that. Um, uh, one is not so much the software, but you you mentioned how um, robust the the printer is, and I remember. SLA has gotten better for sure over the years, but, uh, you know, as soon as maybe five, six years ago, we had some SLA printers and it would drive me crazy the rate at which parts would fail. You know, you'd put a part in at night and come back in the next morning and, and part failure. And especially with SLA, you've got this goopy resin you have to deal with and clean up and strain out all the little bits that got stuck in there when the print failed. And it was just such a pain and I, I hated dealing with that. With the Mark Forged machines, I can honestly say that we have had very, very few failures. It's such a robust platform, and I've been uh, happily surprised at, at how consistently it delivers just really great parts with, with very low maintenance. Um, you, you just push the easy button, you know, and and uh, you get your parts. So that's one thing. The other thing um, on, on the, the software is because the the engineers at Mark Forged have made the software so easy to use, there are some limitations as far as, as uh, the degree to which one can customize how how the parts are, are laid out and how the fibers is placed in there. And originally, I thought that that might be a drawback. But honestly, I've found that I, at this point, it, I don't even care. It, it's I don't need to customize it beyond what the software does for you because it, it does such a good job. Yeah, and it's it's funny. We we think about these attributes like uh, customizability, quality, repeatability. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll say hand up as a mechanical engineer, when I used to think about the tools I used to, to do my job, um, it probably wasn't that often that I would point to those things as, as a software thing per se. Um, but really that is what it, what it is. It's, it's code, uh, that rests in the back, in the background, um, that sort of takes my inputs and, and, and makes a part out of those inputs and, and it's all driven. Um, and it will continue to be increasingly driven by software over time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, something else that we've been really impressed with, uh, on the Mark Forged machine, the, the Onyx material in particular is the, uh, the, the surface finish, especially on, on sidewalls, you, you almost can't even see the layer lines and it depends a little on what, what resolution that you're using. But, um, the, in the right light, it, it almost looks similar to a textured injection molded part. Um, other FDM printers that we've used very clearly show the layer lines and, and cosmetically, it just doesn't look as good. But the Mark Forged, the Onyx material looks spectacular. And I, I wondered how, uh, what is this, this black magic trickery that, that, uh, Mark Forged is using to make the surface finish look so good? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely intentional. <laughs> There's some work <laughs> that went into that. Um, the it, it's it I would probably call it a combination of a few different factors. Um, one of which is acute um, and specific to the materials, and and uh, a few of which are general. Um, so so the acute one, which which we're starting to see more and more of in the world, uh, has to do with the material formulation itself. Um, so our specific strategy of taking, um, which we invented, we we took. You know, nylon pellets and stewed in some um, some chopped carbon fiber, effectively carbon fiber dust. Um, and what did that do for us? What that did was it it made it such that when we extruded out of a nozzle and it, and it went from 
you know, well in excess of 200 Celsius down to room temperature, um, it made it really stable um, uh, geometrically across that really, really wide range of materials. So specifically, the characteristic we're interested in there is the coefficient of thermal expansion. Um, so that chopped fiber certainly um, contributes to a greater stability. Um, but we didn't stop there, right? As you know, we, we also have a, a print bed, which is, which is made of, of, a, of a thermally compatible material, um, which not only contributes to, to a really high rate of success with, with printing. I think when we did a Pareto breakdown of like our, our first, first, first uh, prototype 3D printer, we found like 80% of print failures occurred in the first layer. Hmm. Um, I don't know if your experience is, is any, anywhere uh, close to that using other, other 3D print systems, but that was our experience working with, with, with the like other 3D printers and early prototypes. So we we found hey if you could if you could um, add some compatibility thermally between the material of the print bed and the material of printing with that's going to go a whole lot better for you as a, a from a print process perspective and that also lends to stability from uh, the very base of the print which the first layer actually has a pretty strong bearing on how the rest of the print comes out um, and then the the other thing that I'll, I'll I'll sort of point out is for those who haven't seen our systems uh, there's this there's this huge chunk of aluminum uh, that basically the entire uh system the gantry itself uh, it's all it's all it's all based off of this ultra rigid hunk of aluminum um which wasn't necessarily cheap for us to put into the printer but it was we found it was so important to add rigidity um to the print platform itself um that it was worthwhile to have this 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 high stiffness gantry system um so that the, the little micro torques induced when when I when I fire on the belt drive system um, that cause you know other other systems to kind of kind of twist like a potato chip, thereby mm. influencing where that bead of plastic is actually going. Um, we found that that helps a lot with our with our overall accuracy um, and by extension the print quality. So just when when I deposit a bead of plastic on a previous one, um, how closely did I line those up? Uh, the thing that makes these walls look um, nearly injection molded is the fact that we're very, 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 very precise when we, when we lay that next beat down. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I'm going to take a, a little departure from Mark Forge at the company and, and talk to you a little bit about marketing right now. You are in marketing. How did you make that transition from being a mechanical design engineer into marketing? What, what, what was it that made you think, yeah, I think that would be, that would be a cool thing <laughs> to try out. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and hopefully your, your listeners, uh, uh, are, uh, are, are, are at least some of them find, find, uh, something, uh, relatable about this journey, but, uh, my journey, at least at Mark Forge. So, um, before coming to Mark Forge, I was, I was a pretty straight ahead product engineer. I was developing little GPS sensors for a company that eventually got sold to ring, which was bought by Amazon. Um, so that was the, that was a point where I was first exposed to 3D printing, primarily in a prototyping capacity, um, and I sort of knew at that point that that's what I, where I wanted to take my career next. Um, so what I ended up finding was was this awesome opportunity to to come on at Mark Forge as an application engineer, um, which is sort of like that first step going from like becoming like a, I almost joke it's like going from like an inside cat to an outside cat, um, <laughs> where uh, I start to I start to get to see. A whole lot of a whole lot of cases of customers actually using the technology, um, 
I still maintain that's probably about the most fun you could have with a mechanical engineering degree, mm. be, being a, an application engineer in a 3D printing company. Because what that really was, was like a consistent, consistently revolving game of, of how it's made. Uh, I don't know if you've ever, if you ever watched that show, How It's Made, but I used oh, to yeah. just like, you know, yeah. eyes glued to the TV for three hours straight watching that stuff. Um, so that's kind of what my life was like. Um, and that role was really specifically, you asked, you know, how did that transition to marketing? Um, it, it was in some sense kind of like a sales role, but in a really authentic way where I'm not trying to sell you equipment you don't need. It's 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 very, you know, I, I, I come with a very strong sense and conviction that, um this is this is a better way to make your product um and luckily you know when i can when i can take this part say hey you were making this thing for fifteen hundred dollars i just printed it for for 50 um and it caught it costs it, it takes less time to build it's safer for your employees um that was a really fun way to connect with customers and i've made lifelong friends with some of those customers as a result um so as 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 the stakes got sort of bigger and bigger, the company got higher profile, um, and we started we started working with with uh, sort of bigger customers with larger implementation needs. Um, the role sort of evolved into uh, really sort of sort of like a a uh, a presentation kind of role where you know we were we were talking we were talking to executives at large businesses saying, hey, here's here's my recommendation for how you should implement our technology. Um, and as much as I resisted it, uh, my mentors, uh, my superiors, uh, my bosses were all telling me like, Hey dude, that's, uh, what you're doing there is actually marketing. And I, I, I looked at that and said, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> that's not what I want to do. Um, and, uh, I think there was, that, that was sort of built on a fallacy that marketing, uh, was, was, was intentionally deceptive or, 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 or something disconnected from how, how customers actually use our technology. What I found was actually the reverse of that uh, to be true, which is like the more authentic and the more connected you could be to how customers use your product, um, really the better and more effective you could be at, at relaying a marketing message where, um, you know, the, the, the technical attributes we were just talking about, about the system are all true. And they all, they all relate to why someone ought to, ought to consider buying your equipment. Uh, so I think I, it, it took me a while, uh, really, I, I must admit, uh, to sort of release myself from this constraint that that we shouldn't boast so much about our systems um, and, and how great we are and, and actually achieve a level of comfort doing that. But I think once I kind of got over that hurdle, um, it, it really became a, a really cool way to extend uh, my career into um, you know more more of a strategic role that had that, that had less to do with um, you know, one by one, educating customers on what we do great and sort of using a megaphone to do that at a much broader uh, scale. Um, so in that sense, I, I think it's it's been a super, super cool journey at Mark Ford. Certainly one I did not intend or predict, um, but oftentimes the best opportunities sort of come, come that way. Very cool. Um, for engineers out there who might be thinking to themselves right now, you know, that sounds kind of fun, this this whole marketing thing. I, I might like to dip my toe on the dark side myself and, and uh, see what I can make of this. What what kind of considerations should they keep in mind when trying to decide one way or the other? Um, hmm. I'll... I'll... I'll think on that and I'll stall a little bit by, by saying, I think, I think the journey that I took, um, 
was was really the 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 journey that I needed to convince myself uh, and, and and sort of grow this. I mentioned this like sense of conviction I had that that we were selling customers the right product at the right time, um, and we were doing all of that authentically. Um, so I think there's like there's like internal factors and externalities. So I mean, hopefully we're all working for companies that um, make make our customers better off when we're done doing business. But I think that's certainly a litmus test that. I think engineers specifically would be miserable if they were trying to market in a role, uh, if, if that weren't true, <laughs> if that makes sense. Uh, I think, I think the, the other factor um, one ought to consider, and, and I think, I think we oftentimes, um, we oftentimes sell ourselves short as mechanical engineers and our ability to uh, present and communicate and, um, and, and sort of articulate ideas to a broader set of people, not just not just um, not just other engineers. What I find is is there's there's a very healthy subset of engineers that are actually excellent communicators, um, and, and I think those people in, in, in particular ought to really really think about how they could take um, what they do and 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 sort of um, you know in, in my field I mentioned at the very beginning of this call. Um, you know, our, our, at the beginning of this podcast, our, our mandate as a company really ought to be, um, how do we accelerate adoption? Um, and really, if I, if I trace my career from, from the start of Mark Forge to where I'm at now, which has been about a five year journey, um, I really feel like we're doing more and more of that the more, the, the further I go down. And now in this marketing role, um, if I think about every activity I do, uh, every piece of content I make, every, um, thing I do like today, we're on this podcast talking about it. Um, really, I think every day it's, it's sort of advancing the ball, getting better and better at, at accelerating adoption. And I think there's, there's something kind of neat about that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, just one or two more questions and then we'll, we'll wrap up here. What is in the, what's in store for the future of Mark Forged? What can we look forward to in the next, you know, two to three years and, and beyond? Yeah, I think there's so much exciting stuff that has happened in the last year. And I think, uh, in some ways, uh, the past can in some ways predict the present, but I would, I would expect to see a whole lot more in the way of, in the way of how software is used. And part of that is, it is likely to come from advancements from companies like Mark forged and some of our, um, some of our partners, companies we partnered with, we just, um, acquired a company called, called Teton simulation, which sort of specializes in, in, um, in, in modeling how, how 3D printed parts are going to respond to stresses. That's going to be a great partner technology that, that again will be one more step toward accelerating adoption. Um, in, in some, uh, more scrutinized areas like aerospace. Um, but yeah, I think, I think just, just sort of like continually advancing the ball with respect to, um, with respect to software. Um, you know, I think, I think just, the, the kind of things that already make the system great, the availability of, of the materials and it, that, that solve a bunch of different problems, um, the quality, the kind of optionality you have in Iger. Uh, I, I would expect in the, in the, in the next you know, two, three years, all of those things to continually improve. You know, we, we release updates to our systems on a, I mean, you're a user, you, you probably, uh, you probably print more than I do, but I, I find practically every time I log into Iger, there's a new update waiting for me to try. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's sort of the exciting thing that, um, 
can't quite put your finger on it what exactly that is, but we know it's gonna it's gonna make your 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 printing process a whole lot smoother. That's another great thing about Iger is it's cloud-based software. So there's nothing to install and update and update and update. It's all just updated every time you go in automatically, which has been super nice and helpful. Yeah. Totally. All right. Well, um, Daniel, thank you so much for your time today. How can people get in touch with you? Um, yeah. So again, I, I work at MarkForged and you know, we love talking to prospects and customers. Uh, you know, we, we, we have a whole lot of forms and chats and all kinds of things you can reach out uh, for us at, at, at the uh, at the website. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I sit on the marketing team. So messages that go to marketing at markforge.com, I, I generally get a look at those. Um, so uh, so if you have questions or want to reference this podcast and say, hey, I got a question about something Daniel said on the podcast, um, that would be a great, great avenue to do so. Terrific. Great. Well, anything else that we should cover before we end? Um, no, I, it's a pleasure talking to you and learn a little bit more about what you do with our printers and uh, super fun talking about it. Likewise. I love talking about manufacturing. Awesome. All right, Daniel. Well, thanks so much. I uh, really appreciate your time. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Have a great day. I'm Aaron Moncur, founder of Pipeline Design and Engineering. If you liked what you heard today, please share the episode. To learn how your team can leverage our team's expertise developing turnkey equipment, custom fixtures, and automated machines, and with product design, visit us at teampipeline.us. Thanks for listening.